I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Seven goals in Munich and not all of them were scored by Bayern. It's Thursday 21st of September and there was a big European game last night, so you know what that means. It's time for Ramble Reacts. I'm Luke Moore. And I'm Vidushan Hantaraja. Yes, indeed, it ended Bayern Munich 4, Manchester United 3 at the Allianz Arena in a game that I think we can accurately call a barn burner. Uh, neither team could really defend. In fact, our pal Andy Brassel said the game was a bit like Soccer Aid. Um, it was a fantastic watch for sure. And Bayern will be pleased to get their Champions League campaign off to a win. But if either of these teams want to make an impression on this season's Champions League, they're going to need to defend better than that, aren't they, Vish? Um what did you make of that as a United fan? And were you able to get out from behind the sofa at any point? Um, I was. Uh, I was coaxed out from behind the sofa by the first 25 minutes, which were... And a little selection of snacks? No, I'm not, I'm not really a snacker during football, I'll be honest. Yeah. No. I kind of... Well, just, okay. you know, as a Manchester United fan recently, you kind of gorge on your own fingernails and, you know... Not much <laughs> that fills else. you up. Exactly, yeah. Um, stomach full of delicious keratin. <laughs> yeah, because um, once you pulled out your own hair, you're all that's left of the nails, aren't they? Um, <laughs> but no, it's weird you described it as a barn burner because I feel like it was a kind of quite a mundane setting fire of a barn and then every now and again... Yeah, it was a quite a boring barn burner, if that's a, not a contradiction in terms. A very yeah. slow-paced barn burner, like not enough kindling. No, exactly, yeah, because... I mean, I don't know why they've developed this habit, Manchester United, but they score and immediately let the other team score. And obviously, like it's it's you know um, yeah. it's not so much the the second goal that then led to the fourth Bayern goal, but it was more the you know drawing back that led to drawing back initially that led to the third Bayern goal, where just calm it down a little bit. You kind of need you kind of need a they need a Sunday league figure to be like right. 
just coming down. Right, got the goal. Just heads on, heads on. Yeah, heads on. Yeah. Um, Christian Eriksen gets caught dawdling, and suddenly it's a three on two, and Jamal Musiala's shot gets deflected. That leads to the corner. That leads to the the Harry Kane penalty. It's just. To be honest, yeah. it, it's probably better than I thought. And if anything, maybe this is worse because there are moments where I got really annoyed and then the scoreline is as it is and you're like, okay, maybe I, mm. maybe I should temper that a little bit because I thought it's they were naive It's parts. a bit of a paper and over the cracks type result. 100%, which should, yeah. should be of concern, I think. Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. I mean, there's still a lot that... Oh, they've kind of got out with their dignity intact, which, I'll be honest, is... Is all I was all I wanted from tonight. Don't embarrass us in front of yeah. the world, and th- they didn't really. Yeah, yeah. I think I think taking it back to the kind of the start. Um, you know, you mentioned at the top of that point there about the first twenty five minutes kind of coaxing you out from behind your fingers or from behind the sofa or whatever. And I did feel like as a neutral, um, the Onana era was a real shame because it felt like United had a hold of Bayern at least. I, I wouldn't say they necessarily had a proper foothold on things, but they were competing. They kind of, Rashford had a little bit of joy. They were, you know, sort of probing a little bit. And that goal took the wind out of their sails quite dramatically. And it's, it seems to be a little bit of a habit that Man United have got at the moment, that if they concede one, they concede two. Like I've said so many times on the show so far this season, to use that phrase again, they look so soft-centred. They they, it's almost like they're not ever really in control of what's going on. They're just grabbing hold of coattails and flying by the seat of their pants. And, you know, they can sometimes rely on some quality to get them out of trouble or whatever. And there's no real control at any point. And so when they conceded the second quite soon after the first, you thought, OK, that's weird because the first goal was very fortunate. Like, it came from nowhere, really. And then yet they concede quite an easily, quite a well-worked goal from Bayern's point of view. But again, United leaving a lot of space and it felt like that was it. They were going to wrap their hand. Now, to their credit, they didn't really wrap their hand at all. But it's a source of frustration, isn't it? This kind of, this kind of problem they have of conceding the odd, you know, the odd one-two here is it seems to happen over and over again, right? Yeah, definitely. It feels like they are at a point now, you know, the... I suppose the comparison that comes to mind is in boxing, really, where it's not necessarily the person who has the best first two rounds is the person who has, you know, the the person who lasts the course, essentially. And United against Tottenham, they did this. Against Brighton, they did this. And I suppose to a point against Arsenal as well. And here in Bayern Munich, they start quite well. And then as soon as they, you know, as soon as they receive a blow from the opponents all that early work goes away. Like, whatever confidence they might have gleaned from that early work just dissipates. And it's... I wonder if it's a little bit... Not, slapstick's the wrong word, but I wonder if there's a little bit, like, woe is me about it. Like, God, this always happens to us. We always start really well and then we concede. It's like, well, you, like, look into that. And also, just develop a bit of toughness, as you said. They've got a really, a really soft centre. And I, I think that's... My main takeaway from this, even though the game felt like a bit of an anomaly, because Champions League group stage games, especially the early ones, do have a little bit of a strange feel. There's there's jeopardy, but then there isn't jeopardy. Like, you know, there was an element of like, you know, United looking at this thinking, well, we've got the difficult game out of the way, actually. That's the first one. That's Bayern Munich away. You know, they haven't lost in 30 yeah. group games uh, in the Champions League. You don't come here and, and win easily. And United didn't come here and, and roll over. So maybe that's the 
bonus one to take away from it. But it's just a little bit naive, just just really clumsy. Obviously, you know, Pelestri has that ch- chance if he gets ahead of um, Alfonso Davies. And yeah, who knows? It, you know what? Bayern Munich might have still ended up winning, but it's a point of frustration that they don't have that. They don't have that early or something to show for their early pressure. And then at the same time, you know, you you sit back and you look at Jamal Musiala gliding through midfield and you're like, oh. you know what, you know what, fair enough, yeah. Just box office, just box <laughs> office. And I think I think you need to be really, like you, he's a sort of player, Musiala, the way, as you say, he glides, the, the maturity he shows for his tender years, his, like, his football intelligence, his ability to get out of tight spaces, his ability to go past the player, his ability to think quicker than the player he's playing against. He's got kind of everything in his locker. He's an amazingly exciting player. And I think if you want to have any chance of not having him run the show, you have to have a really tight plan to deal with him. And unfortunately, regardless of what you think about the personnel may United have, the players they've got, the players they've paid for, no one in that central area can deal with him and Casemiro has not got a leg to deal with him Eriksson's not that sort of player Fernandes isn't going to trap back like that they, it's just he's just tailor made to play against a United team of this type and so it showed really and it's actually just what 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 really happened I thought and I agree with all the points you made there I, I just think that neither of these teams can really defend as I said in the intro so yeah United are going to get joy and I think coming out the second half the way they did and, and Rasmus Hoyland getting his first goal was obviously like really important but ultimately, you know, United lost their momentum again straight away by by that penalty being given away, and it's almost it was almost really like I called it a barn burner. We can maybe retract that and say it wasn't really a barn burner, and if if it was, the barn was essentially set on fire by accident by both of these teams. Like they didn't mean to set the fire to the barn; they just it just fucking happened because neither of them know really what they're doing at the back. So, like. A whole, a whole, a whole maelstrom of thoughts there from me. But Musiala's tailor made for this type of the United side. I mean, he tormented them, and, and you know, he's obviously got the ability to do that. But even when United did come out and start start well again at the start of a half, effectively, they get on the end of a pretty, you know, maybe it may be a pretty harsh decision for a penalty. I don't know what you made of it. I mean, I thought it was unfortunate rather than harsh. I mean, you know, on commentary they were talking about like. They couldn't understand the difference between the Premier League rule and the Champions League rule, and it's like, well, you know, you can if the Premier League wanted to, they could have aligned with the with the Champions League on that. Like that's just the you know that that's just the line in the sand that they've drawn compared to where where things are with UEFA. So I'm I'm not that annoyed about that. Like obviously it was unlucky. You know, if it was it was if it was in the other box, I'd be thinking right that should be given. That's I, I would like that, please, sir. Um, but <laughs> kind of as, as I alluded to before, like that sequence that led to the corner was avoidable. Um, like it shouldn't have happened as easy as it did. So that's I'm more annoyed about that than the than the handball. But yeah, no, it was like it, it is. It was fascinating watching Bayern with with Harry Kane, and you know he obviously scored the penalty, but then broadly had quite quite a night, and you kind of wonder if it's going to be hard for him to to exist like that, having spent so long, not just for Spurs, but for England, being the main guy, being the centre of everything, when it's like, maybe you you don't have to clock your overtime anymore. You don't need to drop back as deep. You don't need to like mm. have the ball all the time. We've got plenty of people who are going to run beyond you, who are going to do all the work behind you. And 
even someone like there was a moment where he dropped quite far back and Kimmich demanded the ball off him and he was like no no you you go like it's fine we we have this Harry don't worry about it mm. you know you can leave right it. You yeah can... just kind of so listen I don't know how you do things over in fucking Brexit <laughs> Plagueland but over here we're a little bit more cultured thank you very much Look, have a beer. We're allowed to have a beer at the football. Have a beer. Just go sit in there for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, have a lovely start yeah. in the press. I think, I think um, that shows also, I mean, that, to bring that back to a kind of semi-serious point, that also I felt like showed a bit of, um, a bit more insight into the class that Musiala's got. Because I think, you know, we mentioned last week on, on the Ramble about um, Madison being able to flourish in this number 10 role at Spurs. Partly, I believe, because Kane's kind of not there to get in his way. What you saw in this game last night was Musi Ayala was, was drifting to the left a bit more. Kane would drop back, but a lot of the time he drift off to the right-hand side of the pitch. It's kind of like they were, a bit, they were quite simpatico, um, which so early on in Kane's buying career is actually really impressive. And, and obviously Kane's picked up, you know, was it five goals in seven games or whatever it is now? He was always going to dispatch that penalty. But going back to that penalty decision, it's the age-old argument about, um, you know, and I know that our listeners don't necessarily like us talking about refereeing decisions and penalty decisions, all the rest of it, because it can be a bit dull. But I think in this particular case, it's the age-old decision between he needs to spring to get up to jump to challenge, but by doing that, he makes his silhouette bigger. And as the current handball laws state, you know, if you're doing that to get an advantage, it kind of has to be a penalty, really. Um, the only kind of availability in terms of, you know, referees' interpretation is just how close he is and whether he can do anything about it and stuff. And and the comment, I mean, the, the thing about it is the, the sports in a little bit of disarray around this type of stuff because the commentary team don't know what's happening either. Like straight away, the commentary team go, bang, it's not a penalty. It's been checked. It's not going to be a penalty. And then obviously it is checked and is a penalty and they don't really know where they are with it. Now, I'm not suggesting for one second that, um, you know, it's the first time Darren Fletcher's been confused in his in his career. <laughs> but it, it kind of does, it does... We're not we're not employing the most intelligent commentators, but at the same time, it does show um, the kind of confusion that just kind of pervades the entire game around these types of decisions, right? Yeah, definitely. That is that is quite an interesting point in terms of you know I suppose the understanding of the commentator because it feels like you know and maybe this is specifically an English thing, but it feels like their job is to get annoyed and and you know almost concoct an, an argument in that in that setting especially when it feels like you know when we're in a situation where it's an english team against uh you know another you know a foreign team essentially where it's like god they do things funny over there look at them it's, what, what is this it's ridiculous <laughs> yeah um but be, <laughs> yeah. because yeah like, i drive on the other side of the road <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah their pastor's chewier over there weird isn't it um, <laughs> <laughs> their front is really yellowy <laughs> and their cues are smaller what's that about <laughs> but but yeah look it, it does feel like that 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 became a bit quite quickly when you know they, they yeah, kind of ex- they kind of explained it and then they got annoyed about it so they have the reasoning there in front of them and then just, they just almost went on a tangent to be annoyed and thus kind of maybe concoct a bit of dialogue you know, in, in this setting or online, but you know, it's just a little. It was just a little bit clumsy from Ericsson, I thought. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them, and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. see it different uh, the way I see it and I stand by that and I'm very comfortable and, and confident in saying what I have to say. Who would you bring in? I don't know. So that was the goal um, that kind of really sealed the deal but having said that Casemiro had a good go at, um, at pe- pegging it back a couple times. I mean the last five minutes or so was a bit crazy. It was, a, was As Andy says it was a bit soccer aid. It was a bit like okay you know, this is really not helping either team because if any, I mean, Man United don't have a realistic chance of winning the Champions League this season. I'll put that out there right now. The form <laughs> I'm on at the moment means they're almost guaranteed to win the fucking thing. But I don't think they've got a real realistic chance, right? Um, Bayern Munich probably on paper do if they can sort themselves out. Although Andy's on record as saying that he doesn't think Bayern can win much under Thomas Tuchel. So we'll see what happens there. But the last five or six minutes with the three goals from the 88th minute onwards, that was a really interesting situation because it's a bit like, this is great entertainment for me as a neutral, but what it's actually doing is showing up to any rival team, really just the shortcomings of both these sides. It was almost like you're not really helping yourselves here by doing this. You know, this ending 4-3 is a bit farcical, really. Um, and of course, the, the, the second Casemiro goal comes so late on that it's not really, you know, it's not really kind of here nor there, to be honest. But uh, And then we end up with a 4-3 scoreline, which is a bit like, wow, that was an amazing game. But actually, as we kind of touched on at the start, it's not really a game that's going to live long in the memory, right? I, I kind of feel like the next time the Champions League rolls around again, we probably would forget about, we'll probably forget about this pretty quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the only thing that I thought from the from the first Casemiro goal was 
it's probably the first time United properly knocked it around. And and it probably leans more to your point about Bayern's shortcomings than necessarily Manchester United's strengths. Because as soon as they knocked the ball around quickly and, and people had, you know, people's first touch, you know, three people had exceptional first touches within one move. Suddenly Bayern looked all over the place. And Casemiro ends up scoring the goal when he's flat on his back, essentially. But yeah, I think it, it kind of leans towards yeah. what you're saying about other teams watching that thinking, really, Bayern Munich, second favourites to win the Champions League? It might even just highlight actually the disparity between them and a, and a team like Man City, to be honest. But you kind of think with them and the, just the quality they have, and especially now with Kane, that they're just going to grow to be a bit sleeker. Whereas, you know, I think... I'm, I'm curious to see what United take away from this, particularly into the weekend when, they, when they're up against Burnley, but just more broadly into... You know, it's almost a valiant defeat, and they they actually haven't had many of those. You know, they played well for a bit against Arsenal, but you know, Arsenal ran away with it. Um, and probably the scoreline in the end reflected the difference between the two sides. But you know, you kind of wonder if actually kidding themselves into thinking, "God, weird game, but we were a bit unlucky there for this one in particular against Bayern Munich." A way to Bayern Munich could be harnessed in some way as some kind of positive, especially at a time where they, they need something to hold on to. Yeah, I think coming away from that, with that result, I mean, as I said at the start, like seven goals, 4-3. I mean, Man United are never going to be politically in a situation where anyone can say this, um, you know, from the club, obviously, because of the pride involved and because of the history of Man United and, you know, particularly the you know, Man United history against Bayern Munich, um, you know, 99 and all that. But, I mean, they'll be delighted to get out of that. I mean, Bayern Munich were by far the better team. They were just really mm-hmm. sloppy. They yeah. Bayern looked like they were, you know, by far a more coherent unit and a better side. Um, they were just, yeah, like I say, just a bit sloppy. And, and May United have got players that can hurt you, whatever form they're in, really. But um, I mean, you, you mentioned Harry Kane. Now, I just wanted to round off um, last night's game by talking about this, um, this, this Harry Kane situation because he's dropped into Bayern Munich. He's hit the ground running. He's done really well. He's obviously going to be, you know continue to be prolific at Bayern Munich and I was um, really interested to see that Daniel Levy revealed I think yesterday that Spurs have a buyback clause in um, the contract with you know Bayern Munich as part of the sale and I was tearing my hair out thinking this is a rare um, tactical mistake when it comes to business from Daniel Levy because what he should have done was kept his powder dry on that and only revealed that when Spurs were having a terrible run of form. So, we can, so they can actually, <laughs> so Spurs fans can have a little bit of hope. Uh, but he's he's rolled it out there when they're already when they're doing really well. He's he's basically set fire to his to one of his best weapons, his best PR weapons. Yeah, that is. Oh, I mean, I don't know about that because maybe it'd be one of those things that, like, when things go badly, they think, oh, we could always get Kane back because you know you said there was that thing there. Um, but but the the idea of it being a being a buyback clause is interesting because it probably is a right to match clause in that like if they want to sell him and they accept something they accept something from someone else then they have to accept it for you know that they have to accept an offer from Spurs of the same value because if they suddenly if in two years time they decided right we're going to buy him back buy and you know surely the clause would be like 70 million which would be ridiculous for like a 32 year old Harry Kane 33 year old Harry Kane yeah, like tellingly, there's been no, um, there's been absolutely no detail. I mean, Levy apparently, essentially, the, the the revelation, as it's been termed, as I you know pretty much termed it then, 
really just comes down to two words, which is when David, when David, Daniel Levy was asked about it, if there was a clause, buyback clause in there, he replied by saying, of course. And um, that's really it. So we don't know the detail. You're probably right. It probably is the best matching offer. And, and you know, it's, it's kind of, at this point, fairly academic. And it certainly seems academic right now because it doesn't seem like any time soon um, in the position we're in that Kane's ever going to, you know, want to wrap up on Bayern Munich because, you know, of the way he started and the fact that he's just made the move. Um, I just thought it was an interesting little revelation and, and I suppose it is something for Spurs fans to hang on to if they go if it goes to shit. But I think that Levy could have rolled that out, um, you know, at, at a more difficult time. But anyway, look, Bayern Munich beat May United 4-3. I don't think it tells us an awful lot about either team or certainly nothing that we don't already know. Those of you listening who also listen to OTC will know about Bayern Munich's shortcomings. Um, we obviously know what Man- position Man United are in. Um, I think given that Eric Ten Hag was coach of Bayern Munich's second team for a couple of years, meant that he was probably a little bit nervous about this game and, and the fact they've come out of it relatively unscathed, knowing, as you said yesterday, Vish, there are some more winnable games in that group for them and they should realistically target um, progressing from the group, absolutely. Um, it was an interesting game to watch, but I, like I said, I don't think we've learned an awful lot from it. Look, before we go... Um, Let's just turn our attention to North London because Arsenal were back in the Champions League for the first time in six years. They had a comprehensive 4-0 win over PSV. Um, Martin Odegaard scored, Gabriel Jesus scored. In fact, you know what? I mean, it's quite fitting that Bukayo Saka, who's one of the symbolic, uh, also sorry, one of the symbols of Arsenal's resurgence, gets their first goal back in the Champions League fish, followed up by goals from people that you'd probably quite want to score. Trossard, Jesus and Odegaard, as I said, a 4-0 win for them. Is it telling that David Raya started in goal? Um, I'm really torn on this because certainly when when Raya started against Everton, my thought was, okay, maybe maybe saving Ramsdale for the next two games, this game against PSV and the North London derby on the weekend. And now that he's... I'm, I'm kind of changing my own rules here because now that he's picked David Raya for this one, I'm thinking, right, if he picks... Um, Ramsdale for the North London derby, that's a bigger show of support, as it were, because, you know, I think you know, Arsenal ex- were expected to be- beat PSV here, and, it's pro- you know, playing at home for, you know, in your first time back in the Champions League for as long as they've been out, it's, it felt like a bit of a, bit more of a free hit. And if he doesn't play on the weekend, well, I mean, whatever conversations have been had, whatever way the Arteta has put it to him to, you know, ease his woes that all goes out the window because that's a very clear statement that David Raya is their number one whereas now Raya having played twice and Ramsdale playing on the weekend yeah I, I honestly have no idea <laughs> my, my take is my take is a little less complicated than this and I'll you know yeah, we'll, we'll, we, <laughs> we live by the sword and die by the sword so if I'm wrong then I'm sure people won't be short of telling me I actually think that he he, he likes Raya and I think he, I think Ray is going to be the first choice goalkeeper. I think he's tried to manage expectations in terms of PR around saying things that really he sh- he needs to say to kind of manage his message around the fact that he wants two good players in each position, all the rest of it. I think if you look about look at the um, the stuff that's come out, as I said yesterday, about you know, Ramsdale potentially being linked with clubs elsewhere, you look at the fact that the the, um, the coaching team is essentially dominated by Spanish. Um, Spanish coaches. I mean, the goalkeeping coach is Spanish. Two of the assistant coaches are Spanish. Of course, Mikel Arteta is Spanish. Um, you know, I think he sees Raya. He thinks he's available. He wants to come here. 
I th- I think I think if I put myself in Arteta's mind, I think he thinks he's a better goalkeeper than Ramsdale, and um, we have a responsibility to build on our you know, success so far and to improve. And Raya is an improvement on Ramsdale, so that's why I'm making that decision. And of course, he manages it with the PR chat that he manages it with, and that's kind of understandable. And it doesn't mean to see that, say that the door's closed forever for to, for Ramsdale because you know he's a great keeper and he's a part of the England setup and all the rest of it. And you, know, you don't you just don't know what's going to happen in two weeks' time if Raya could break a leg or something. But ultimately, I think Raya's his first choice, and that'll be that. And I think quietly but very um, efficiently, you'll just see Raya starting games. I think he'll start a North London derby, and I think he'll continue to play. Um, and if he carries on you know, picking up clean sheets, you know, ultimately, really, as we were saying, I um, can't remember if it was you and I talking about it off off, off air a couple of days ago, um, football is ultimately a proper meritocratic system, right? It has to be. And if Raya continues putting good performances in, will Arsenal fans really care? Will they really take to, you know, take up arms at like and take offence at the fact that Ramsdale's been quote unquote disrespected? They won't give a shit. And so the conversation will be will be over effectively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's spot on. The, the example I was going to use, and, and I appreciate we, we compare Arteta and Pep Guardiola a lot, um, but I think back to, um, you know, when Joe Hart was basically moved out of Man City. Like, he was he was a cult hero at yeah. Man City. He oh, was people got the arsehole about that as well, didn't they? How can you yeah, do that to the England goalkeeper and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe it's a bit more, you know, it's easy to be more focused when it's a goalkeeper because he's one position on a field and generally you, you get used to that guy who's, you know, between the posts. But they got, as you said, they because they were winning, they got over that pretty quickly and it, and it kind of didn't matter. And actually people reflect in hindsight that was absolutely the right decision and, and keeping emotion out of it was the right way to go about it. Um and I think, you know, Arsenal are going through that. But as you say, all it takes is a brilliant performance in the North London derby for David Ray if he starts. And, and that's it. That The conversation's done, isn't it? Exactly. Exactly. And I think um, the good news for Arsenal as well, actually, as it pertains to this game against PSV, was they were able to withdraw a lot of key players way before the end because the game was obviously won pretty early. So they'll be fresh. That'll be, I mean, Arteta couldn't really have asked for any more. Uh, to be honest, so you know, all eyes on the North London derby now, which we'll of course cover um, on tomorrow's show. But before we um, go, shout out for someone I'm actually going to term just quite literally the best Englishman alive at the moment, uh, <laughs> Jude Bellingham, who again yeah. um, scored a crucial goal for Real Madrid as they labour to win over Union Berlin. Uh, he just he he's brilliant at football. He's brilliant at everything in football, and he looks fucking cool doing it as well. It's hard to think of an English player, particularly at his age, who's Real just got Madrid, it all going of all on football teams, it, need an Englishman to bail them out of trouble consistently. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I'm no, just saying but it's good. He, it's just good. It's great to see. Um, he's he's a very handsome young man. He's a very cool young man. I love his Instagram. I love what he brings to the game. He, I think he is the. And this is a big shout from me. I know, and maybe some someone can pipe up and tell me a player I've forgotten. But um, I think it's hard to think of a more complete English player that I've seen. I, I can't think of a more complete one that's doing what he's doing at his age with no obvious weaknesses in his game and clearly a higher ceiling to get even better. I mean, it's it's really, really exciting. Yeah, massively so. Also, it's quite funny that, um, you know, they're both quite integral to their teams today. But at one point, you know, England under 17s, I think, had Bellingham and, uh, or maybe even younger, but had Bellingham and Musiala in midfield. We've lost Musiala. 
Yeah, what He's could lost have been? I know. We can't be greedy though, Fish, can we? we no, exactly. Yeah, we got one. We'll take Bellas. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you what though, one for the uh, Rambleheads. Um, big Pav of this parish, uh, the goalkeeper of, of the Football Ramble First Eleven back in the day, he used to play in the same team as Jude Bellingham's dad. So there you go. Uh-huh. There's your link. Um, and I think we'll come out, we'll, we'll finish the show on that a uh, little bit of trivia actually. Thank you for listening to today's Ramble Reacts. We will be back tomorrow with Pete. Um, to preview another bumper Premier League weekend, including that North London derby that we briefly touched on there. So that's exciting. Um, Probably time for me to be able to disgrace myself in the Betfair Acker as well. So look out for that. Um, In the meantime, find us on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube at Football Ramble. And remember to hit subscribe on your podcast app. It's really important that you do hit subscribe on that podcast app. If you want to be a patron subscriber, patreon.com forward slash football ramble. There's extra content on there that you can't hear anywhere else. Ad free shows, as well as access to our discord, which is a hustling and bustling, exciting place to exchange ideas and conversations with your fellow ramble listeners. Okay. Say goodbye, Vish. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me as well. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Football Ramble is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store, Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23 shopify.com slash retail 23.